Hello and welcome to the shit. <laughs> you fucked it up. You fucked it. Hello and welcome to the Sensations podcast. My name is Eliza and we did it, folks. The evil is defeated. For the first time since 2020, I had no song by the cast of Glee on my Spotify wrapped. I feel like that does not align very well with all the bops that season three has given us well that's true and it, it not even be... a paradise by the dashboard light nope in Roger. my defense i did get really into bts and all of them released solo projects like which I'm is still... worse being a bts fan or being a glee fan being a glee fan undoubtedly undoubtedly You're undoubtedly right. being a glee fan uh, being a BTS fan is like harder emotionally, whereas being a Glee fan is just accepting that you live in a dumpster fire. Um, harder psychologically. Harder psychologically. I I've just accepted. You know, sometimes you just need to be super obsessed with something, and sometimes that something is a Korean music group. Hi everyone, my name is Olive, and special shout out to Alex Newell for being Time Magazine's breakout of the year. <laughs> Doing something that Leah Michelle has never done, being acknowledged by Time magazine. Actually, I don't know. Maybe she's been acknowledged by Time, but not in like a, not in a special way. There's nothing special about Leah Michelle in my eyes. I don't know. She's a pretty. She's pretty good in this episode. She is pretty fucking good in this episode. I was just gonna say, in in kind of reflection, that actually leads me in pretty well because I was gonna say, I have such such conflicted feelings about this episode where. Like, from a, a stand-back point, it's a very good episode. Good writing, good music. Um, it's, like, a nice emotional closure to this show. But also, I remember watching this when it was airing and being so mad at a lot of the choices they made, especially the big one that comes at the end, Ugh. and being, like, so upset at how they end things. And then, of course, it, you know, it's not really the end of the show. It has three more seasons, but... Three more is crazy. My Which, the only thing that season six going has going for it is how short it is. And actually, we open up this episode with a throwback to uh, the very first episode of the show where they were just a little old Greek. What five people? It was Tina, Artie, Kurt, Rachel, Mercedes. Yes. And they were doing sit down, you rock in the boat. And so Will Schuster walks into the Glee Club, and like the main five or the old main five are like doing a rendition again. And he like imagines them in their outfits in the pilot. Which uh, feels weird. I think it's kind of cute. I think it's like seeing how far they've come because I mean, Kurt himself, his style journey, it's just has Don't come get me so long. started. <laughs> I think they've come very far. And of course, everyone's like celebrating the end of the year. It's kind of that last couple weeks of school where like you've taken all of your tests. You're just kind of waiting for things to wrap up. And so they don't really have anything to do in class. But Will does give them like one final assignment, which is to say goodbye. And so like the underclassmen are going to pick songs to say goodbye to the seniors and the seniors are going to pick songs to say goodbye to the high school it's a little predictable. Yeah, it's it, it it's very go girl give us nothing, but like it's graduation, there's not a whole lot you can do. I I understand kind of the emotional connection to like saying goodbye to your friends, for sure. Last episode of at Nationals felt so epic and so big 
that I understand why this is the finale because it's it brings a lot more closure to a lot of the plots, but it does feel a little slow moving. Yeah, it feels like we screeched to a stop after everything that happened last episode. Yeah, and it does still have good writing and everything. Um, but th- this setup where it's like, okay, I'm giving you one last assignment and then Will sings Forever Young, which is um, a really lovely just like guitar tribute. Honestly, I thought considering there's kind of this theming with like him imagining them all back at the beginning of Glee Club, I thought he was going to sing Leaving on a Jet Plane like he did in the pilot. Which would have made... I'm not saying that Forever Young doesn't make sense. I'm saying that it would have been a cute callback for all of the stuff that they do this episode also. Yeah, Forever Young is still good. I'm not knocking it. It is just kind of like, a okay, everyone sit down and be quiet and let one person sing, Um, which is fine. Glee gives that to us sometimes. I've learned to accept the things I cannot change. There are some good zingers here too, where Quinn is like, please tell me you're not about to rap. Um, and he's like, no, but then he pulls out a guitar and it's like, ugh. Also bad. Okay, from the perspective of it being a high school teacher, like, yes, his idea of these kids, I mean, we know that this is not true because we cannot let go of McKinley High School Glee Cub for the rest of this season, the series. But like, as a high school teacher, just thinking about it from the perspective of like, these kids are going to go on and like, go beyond me. And the versions of them that I keep with me are always going to be like 18 years old. Like, it makes sense. But like, all of the bullshit that they pull for the next three seasons kind of takes away the weight of that one a bit. There are some things in this episode, not to get like sad right off the bat too, there are some things in this episode that made me feel real emotional about Cory Monteith though. Don't get me started. Don't get me fucking started. I cannot. This is one of those and I'm just going to leave it at that. Listening to Forever Young and seeing like everyone's reactions and just thinking about Finn, thinking about Cory Monteith, I just got to leave it there. And we cut to like the the first narration of the episode where Kurt is walking down the hallway and he's just like reflecting on all his time at McKinley, becoming like a stronger person because, you know, he was getting bullied daily. Perhaps I played some small part in making it possible for tadpole gays all over Lima to be themselves in public. Not a bad legacy for someone who once pretended to be in lust with Rachel Berry so I wouldn't have to date Mercedes Jones. And he does actually, as he's saying that line too, he does see um like some younger fashionable people walking through the hallway and it's implied that like, oh, now it's okay for boys to like wear scarves and you know, fancy jackets and stuff to school because Kurt Hummel did it first. Uh, He walks into the auditorium and his dad is there. And at first he thinks his Niata letter came, but it did not, which is something they're all very um, kind of intensely worried about because it's like the last week or so of school and they should really have their letters so that they know where they're going to college at this point. Yeah, this would give me such, oh, I would be going crazy. Which, I mean... This is why you uh, don't apply to only one school. It feels incredibly out of character that this is the only place that Kurt applied to. I feel like there was at least five or six other places. And his dad is there and he's just sitting on the um, the stage and he gives this 
classic Bert Hummel stab you in the heart monologue where he goes like, you know, you were a really easy kid. We always got along. But as you started to grow up, I lost you and I couldn't connect with you. And even once your mom passed, I just had no idea what I was doing. But I'm proud of what you and I did together. And like, oh, it's so good. And he says, "The do you remember where it started? The moment we turned a corner and started walking towards each other rather than in opposite directions. And Brittany and Tina come out in black unitards. <laughs> and Kurt is like, oh, God. Oh, no, don't do this. And Bert Hummel puts on a performance of Single Ladies. And he fucking kills it. He does a fantastic job of it. And it's spliced together with footage of season one Kurt doing this in the basement. And it's so sweet. I love Bert Hummel so much. I I know we probably mentioned it in the pilot episode too, but uh, Heather Morris used to be, you know, a backup dancer for Beyonce. So it's so funny to see her performing this stuff. And we do get one other little Kurt scene where he and Blaine walk into a classroom and Blaine. um, Oh, well, I guess he's like telling Blaine about what happened and says it was the best graduation gift ever. And Blaine says, what about those monogrammed towels I got you? Which is so funny. Which is so, which is such clean. I love them. The idea that like a 16, 17 year old boy would get his 17, 18 year old boyfriend a pair of monogrammed towels for graduation is so funny to me. I mean, it's such Kurt core that like I can't even make jokes about it. Like that's just knowing the person that you've been dating for however many years at this point. Yeah. Um, Well, speaking of been dating for however long at this point blaine does bring up like well you're going off to new york so how are we going to do long distance we know long distance can be really hard um so let's not avoid the conversation like i really want to make sure we talk about this and kurt very firmly goes you know um oh he says you know how hard long distance relationships can be we both saw the notebook and kurt's like well well, just like the notebook, I'm going to be sitting in a nursing home talking endlessly about my high school sweetheart, my first love, except in this ending, my high school sweetheart will be there with me, telling me to shut up so he can finish watching the American Cinematheque salute to J-Lo. Frankly, wild that we never got a J-Lo episode or even a Darren Chris J-Lo Real. song. Real. Uh, what J-Lo song would you want to see? Jenny from the block the way that i know that he would eat that up no i want to i want to see um santana or tina do jenny from the block i just i love i feel like we've been over this before how much i just love the like casual acceptance of longevity that clayne gets just like the yeah we're just gonna be together forever in like a like a this feels like a weird comparison to make but like in a very chill way if that makes sense like rachel and finn are like we're gonna be together forever but like in a in a way that like i'm concerned about whereas with clean it's just like no these are just two mature people making a choice about where they want their lives to go 
Yeah, but maybe we should be concerned because they do break up in like season four, episode four. Don't get me fucking started on that breakup. I hate that's you know how I feel about that storyline. I do know how you feel because I feel the same way. And anyway, Kirk goes into his like goodbye song to the New Directions, which is I'll Remember by Madonna. Not a song I'm super familiar with, but I do appreciate that Kurt gets his Madonna moment because I don't think he really got much to do in the Madonna episode. He did not. A lot of the performances this episode are kind of parking barks where they just like stand in the choir room and don't do a lot. So it's not bad. Yeah, this whole episode is really just like, I feel like for this episode, and like, obviously don't quote me on this because I'm not like, I know that we said so much about being entertainment journalists last episode, but like, I at least am mad not. I feel like this was almost a case of they were just like, what do you think your character would sing as a goodbye send off? Okay, start singing. Let's go. Yeah, there are some nice parts of this song where like, we see a reaction of someone in the glee club and they're like sharing an, a moment of eye contact with Kurt as he perf- as he is performing so there's like a moment with Rachel and then a moment with Finn and then there's a moment with Joe and I have to ask has Kurt had one conversation with Joe I do not think so no we cut from there to obviously beautiful performance we cut from there to Rachel approaching everyone in the hallway um that she found out that the acting school that Finn applied to Pace and then also Niata are sending out acceptance letters this week. Because apparently they're sending out like physical letters to inform you that you got in and not just like informing you via email, which seems odd to me. Maybe that's me living in like 2023 mindset, but this was 2012. Email existed. I bet they put in their application online. I feel like it is still a thing places do, though, is send you a physical acceptance letter. Yeah, maybe so. I just, um, I, I, it was something that felt a little disingenuous about the episode because I think they just wanted there to be that dramatic moment where they all open the letters together. That is a very glee thing to do is just, fuck it, why not? Yeah, just, like, wait for the most dramatic moment to do things. And they all do promise to only, even if one of them, like, gets their letter a day early or something, they're all going to open their letters together. Can I say something controversial? Yeah. yeah. I love Finn. Yeah. You know I love Finn. He's not getting into acting school. There was no way that his ass was getting into Niata. <laughs> well, he didn't audition for Niata. He auditioned for Pace. But, yeah, there's no way. That man is not getting into the performing arts school. I'm so sorry. I I think he could have gotten into a singing program. There was no way he was getting into an acting program, having no acting credits. No acting, can't dance. It's very much giving, like, the opening of uh, I'm Not Okay music video, where it's like, face it, you're never going to make it. Um. There is good news as well, though, because um, there's like balloons in the hallway. Santana walks into them and she finds out through Sam and Mercedes that Mercedes got a recording contract and is like moving to L.A. um, because of the video that Sam posted of her doing Disco Inferno. And like he's obviously super excited about it. But Mercedes is more realistic. She's like, it's just as a backup singer on an indie label, but I'll be doing extension classes and I'll be getting to work in the music industry. And like, yes, 
love that for her love it for her and mercedes uh and santana in a very timely way says oh if this was happening to anyone else i would be extremely jealous and then mike comes up and goes oh yeah i was all set to go to this one dancing school and then joffrey in chicago offered me a scholarship and she's like oh wow that's amazing and suddenly she's uh feeling real bad about just going to kentucky to keep being a cheerleader which, which i understand where girly is coming from doing yeah. more of the same can feel like when everyone else is often going all of these things it can be a little like mm. but like mm -hmm. scholarship for cheerleading you can absolutely still like get a college degree under your belt i mean that's what we've been saying with kurt and rachel this whole time it's like just go to fucking college and you can kind of pursue the things you want while you're in college but like it's not why are they all on like a time crunch to become famous yeah i especially since rachel doesn't even finish college before that's not the point the point is it feels weird to me. It gives me a bit of an ick, if you will, that they are so insistent that, oh, well, poor Santana, she's only getting a scholarship. Yeah, when most kids have to pay for college them fucking selves. She's only getting a scholarship to a good school to basically get her degree for free as long as she cheerleads. And she was probably going to be doing cheerleading and dancing and gymnastics as like a side thing on her own time anyway. Yeah, I... she likes doing those things. Justice for Santana's characterization. I know we're never getting it, but a girl can dream. Yeah. Anyway, um, we cut to a little, um, like, date with um, Brittany and Santana, but also Santana's mom is there. And she is played by Gloria Estefan, which is... Banger choice. I fucking love it. A banger choice, but also gives me whiplash every time I see it. Every time I'll watch this episode or the wedding episode, I'm like, is that Gloria Estefan? And I'm and it is! It. No, it's her. Um, it's great casting. And she's talking about how, um, you know, she was very supportive of Santana when she first came out. And of course, it's sad that um, Abuela didn't feel the same, but all she cares about is that Santana is happy. And Santana says, well, I don't want to go to that cheerleading program in Louisville. But her mom is like, Santana, just go to college. New York will still be there after you earn a degree. Um, they make that Purdue University joke again, where Brittany is going to go to the chicken farm for college. And I I don't even get the joke other than, haha. Purdue, Purdue University and Purdue chicken. Get it. That's the whole joke. And also, we find out that Brittany isn't graduating. And, like, they seem surprised by this. But Brittany's like, yeah, I have a 0.0, .0 GPA. What did you think was going to happen? And Santana does something that I was like, I understand this from, like, a relationship perspective. And it is very much a choice that, like, an 18-year-old would make. But, like, she's like, well, if Brittany's going to stay in Lima, Ohio, then I should, too. Girl, no. Girl, go to college. I cannot, I have not checked our analytics lately. I have no idea if that like 13 to 17 demographic is still like high. If there is one thing you take 
away from this podcast. Do not make choices about your college career because of a romantic partner. Yeah. Do not do that. Yeah, it's a little wild. I think it's because they want to kind of keep us guessing as to what's going to happen with Santana so that it comes as a surprise next season when she ends up being like one of the main characters. Which I do think was a good choice to make her a more of a leading a leading character in season four. But um, I think at this point, it's because they want the audience to not know what they were planning. Yeah. We cut to the um, like upperclassmen seniors performance in the Glee Club room, which is uh, You Get What You Give by New Radicals, kind of led by Finn, but everyone gets like their own little bit in it um mercedes and rachel also get like a bit of a duet line which is nice um another thing that makes me like oh cory monteith you know i need you to stop olive (laughs) sorry i'll stop bringing it up but like it's this this might be one of my favorite songs of the episode it was one that hit me very hard while i was re-watching for this podcast recording because i forgot they did this first and foremost Oftentimes I forget about this song existing until it comes on the radio or something. But it's got pretty good lyrics to it. And it's a pretty fun performance. It doesn't even really have choreography. The main choreography is um, everyone, each of the upperclassmen like walks up to everyone else sitting in their chairs and will like hug someone or like Quinn sits in Joe's lap. And then Kurt and Blaine have a moment. Puck high five Sam for some reason. They just ran out of people for people to be by is genuinely what I think happened. Yeah, there's no one Puck is close to in the Glee Club. At least not any up underclassmen. Yeah. Like, who's he going to walk up to? Sugar? The, ro- the wave of disgust that just rolled through me is something that I don't have words for. Yeah. Um... It's a really good song, though. I would highly recommend, you know, if you're a listener who maybe hasn't watched this episode in a good while, or it's just been a while since you revisited the covers, I would definitely recommend checking this one out because I do think it is underrated on the graduation album. And then as they kind of like switch places, um, all of the underclassmen like say goodbye to them and it's all very sweet. And then we cut to Rachel and Finn. With with two white chairs in front of them. One of them is like a kind of a fancier long back chair. And one of them is just like a simple uh, wooden folding chair. And they're choosing which chairs to have at the reception of their wedding. In one of the empty classrooms at school. Did they How? bring the chairs from someone's house to here? Why did they bring them into school? Why can they not talk about this some other time? Was the set that Rachel's dads live in, the the set of one of their houses, like, not available? I, here's the other thing. Wedding planning takes a while. And you generally have that shit done way before you get married. But they haven't really been planning a wedding. They're just going out of the courthouse. Yeah, but then why are they concerned about the shit? None of anything that they do in this show makes sense. I don't know why I'm trying to force logic onto it. It's because she's Rachel Berry and she very much like wants things her way. And Finn's like, well, one of these chairs is like $20 more than the other. And so, you know, this is like a huge budget thing. 
And she's like, look, I'm compromising on everything, which I don't believe. I don't believe for a second that I Rachel don't believe Barry's... for a goddamn second she's compromising on a single thing. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> this is so funny that, you know, she's all like stressed out about these chairs. And then Finn's like, well, maybe what you're really upset about is that you're compromising on your husband alternate universe where they do have a wedding planner i just want to think about being that wedding planner you get hired schoolers you get hired by these two fucking high schoolers and you're just trying to figure out like the semantics of seating the seating semantics and out of fucking nowhere this guy goes are you compromising on your husband i would be gagged i well to me the funniest thing is that her response is like you're just projecting okay which like yeah no duh he's been projecting this whole fucking time the whole reason he asked you to marry him is because he's projecting his insecurities onto like someone he thinks he can control real like yes that's exactly what's happening rachel and she even says like okay we're just nervous right now because of like we're not sure we're getting into school and it's like yes yes this is so what maybe don't saying. fucking get married right now you're only doing this because you're like nervous about other things going on in your life so maybe just wait a little longer there was something else i was gonna say there we get a little monologue from thin from there because um we actually haven't really heard much about his like audition for acting class and like how you know his investigation into various acting schools apparently he did have an audition that he thinks was super awesome and he thinks he totally rocked it and we get a little clip of it and it's the guy saying like okay you know we're happy to let you audition but just so you know uh if we let you in, it would be because you're extremely exceptional, because you have no credits, no acting experience. He does have that they won nationals, but, like, yeah. that's not enough. And, like, saying I was on the team that won nationals is different. I don't know if maybe there's a place on his resume he can put, like, I was, like, the, the, the lead man, like, the lead male singer yeah yeah featured vocalist that kind of thing but that's also a singing competition not an acting competition yeah i don't know why they're so intent on acting school when he's done no acting yeah or like, like at never... least kurt was in was like officer Crumpy. well and like has never shown an interest in acting it seems i literally feel like he could have gone to a new york school on a football scholarship like there's got to be football schools in the state of new york and it's not like the writers couldn't have just written something convenient to happen to Finn in the plot. Convenient things happen all the time on this show. And as he ends his monologue, he'll walk into Will's office where he's signing Finn's yearbook. And he's written, Dear Finn, Dear Finn, great knowing you, Will Schuster. And Finn's like, come on, I'm the best man at your wedding. <laughs> you can't write something more more meaningful than that. And Will is like, listen, I have to talk to you um, because I've been getting so emotional about you graduating and I have to get something off my chest. And he tells Finn about that first week of organizing Glee Club where he was really desperate for a male lead and he planted weed in Finn's locker. And blackmailed him. him. 
to make him join Glee Club, which is honestly one of the wildest plots of all time, gotta say. I the fact that they brought it back it makes it even funnier to me because they were like, we wrote this thing and it was real fucked up. We're gonna acknowledge that that was really messed up to have had our main character do. Yeah, our main character who's supposed to be sympathetic. But then it's totally fine because Finn's like, listen, that was kind of cool of you to do that. It was super cool of you to blackmail me. Finn, all of these good things happened to him because he joined a Glee Club. So he's happy about having joined Glee Club. But I don't understand the logic of even if I'm happy about having joined Glee Club, I joined because Will did something that if I had not agreed to join Glee Club, I would have gotten suspended. Oh yeah, it's absolutely like a huge betrayal of Finn's trust. But I think it's because also like Finn obviously has such a positive view of Will Schuster as like a father figure. And now he thinks Will is like kind of badass that like Will had access to weed in order (sighs) to blackmail him. And then we cut from there back to, um, I guess it's uh, Finn's mom is like packing up some things and getting his graduation robe ready. And Finn is looking at a picture of his dad in the army and kind of expressing to her, like, I can't help feeling like I've still let him down and I should have written more letters to the army. I should have done something more. And his mom is like, look, you know, there's nothing either of us could do and it's just important it's similar to what she said before like it's just important for us to remember the good things about him finn is like oh well my father was a hero he saved lives when he was in kuwait and how is becoming an actor how is that uh you know honoring my father um and that's the only little bit of that we get um it's we're gonna put a pin in that idea And I want to say real quick that like this, obviously, I'm not going to speak for every single person who grew up with military parents. But like, in my experience, the majority of people who like were in like rank and file military, not like officer corps, they would actually prefer that their kids didn't because it kind of like super sucks. Yeah, it's about making a better life for your children. Um, I would rather think of, like, head canon Finn's father as, like, no, I, I want my son to be happy, and if happiness means you go off and you become an actor, which, again, when has he ever acted before in his life, but, like, rather, you know, you go off and be happy instead of fulfilling, like, some machismo nonsense you feel like you have to do as a legacy to me. Yeah, I agree. It's very clear that Finn has, like, built up, you know, an image of his father in his head that is not validated by any of the actual facts that people around him are telling him. But, you know, that's what insecurity will do to some people. It'll have you marrying Rachel Berry, of all people. And we go from there to the, uh, like, another Glee Club meeting where now the underclassmen have chosen a song to perform to the seniors, and they do... Uh, In My Life by The Beatles, which is also quite good. Really love this arrangement. It's not like some of the best Beatles stuff that Glee will ever do, but solid cover. It's no Blackbird. It's no Gotta Get You Into My Life. I will say, though, I have found within the Glee fandom or just with other people I've talked about who like the show, there is always a Glee fan who will rep for their favorite Glee Beatles cover. And so, like, I'm sure this is it for some people out there. And they're going to be, like, upset that 
we said Blackbird was better than this. I feel like I've made it very clear that um, All You Need Is Love and I Want to Hold Your Hand are two of my favorite Glee covers, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, let alone favorite Glee Beatles covers. Beatles covers, if you will. I, I do. I will and I do. But, like, it's fine. I think that is how I would describe every song this episode, for better or worse. Like, they're all fine. Fine. I think if you really listen to this arrangement, it can, it accomplishes what it was meaning to do, which was, like, elicit this very emotive like saying goodbye to your friends it's a great sentimental song and as we come to the end we kind of zoom in on puck and he's looking not so great um because he's still got that whole final test thing to do i thought we took care of that last episode i'll be honest yeah he does still have a little bit to do this episode we do get a monologue from quinn as well um, just on her reflection of like how far she's come and like everyone's grown into so uh, such incredible people. The one that makes me laugh is uh, nothing's going to stop any of them. Well, maybe one of them. Like get his ass. She watches Puck trying to study for his geography exam. And again, he like just cannot retain information for the life of him. Quinn gets it in her head that she wants to have these like lovely moments with like some of the people who have meant the most to her in high school one of which being rachel barry we don't go immediately into like her and puck's relationship she has a meeting with rachel in the bathroom where she gives rachel a uh, metro pass from new york to new haven which is where quinn's going to college which i Uh, do think is sweet but still weird it's kind of gay we've gotten all of one seen with them recently there were a few scenes of them in season one but like recently we've gotten the one other big bathroom scene i'm sure i am positive i would bet my next paycheck on someone having written an in-depth essay about the symbolism of faberi and a women's bathroom and i do want to go find that on tumblr later the intimacy of the bathroom scenes i do feel that i do Quinn says, like, oh, I'm really happy for you and Finn. You guys were meant to be. And then Rachel's like, oh, that's weird, because that's how I always felt about you and Puck. And, like, not for a if second someone... do, I think, do I think Quinn and Puck were meant to be. If someone told me that they felt like I had always been meant to be with someone like Noah Puckerman, I'd sucker punch them. Yeah, I would consider it an insult. I would be taking Rachel Berry by the hair and introducing her forehead to the edge of a sink. That's I'll so give her a nose job in that bathroom right now. He also, or we cut to, um, you know, Quinn and Puck talking. And Puck does have a funny line where he says, my brain is like a roach motel. Once the info checks in, it never checks out. And he is going to like pack up and just leave and I guess skip his test. But Quinn is like, no. I'm here because I love you and like shut the fuck up it's that whole like you were my first and like I'll never forget that experience and need I remind you he basically assaulted you ruined your life for like a year for longer than a year this is also like it's giving Stephanie Meyer Christian propaganda where like the first person that you have sex with is just like you're forever connected with them on like a spiritual level which like absolutely tracks with the evangelical background that quinn has but like that doesn't mean i don't hate it 
Yeah, I feel like it might track with Quinn's background. It definitely does not track with Puck's background, who we, we know he's been dicking around since day one. And she's like, well, you know, the Puck that I fell in love with had swagger. Every time I hear the word swagger in the year of our Lord 2023, I lose a year off of my life. Swag, swag, swag on you, chilling by the fire while we eat in fondue. That's I all I hear. Would, I can't believe you would kill me right now. You said the word swagger is what, what takes a year off your life, and I just said swag. They keep insisting that Puck and Quinn at one point fell in love. Mm. I call bullshit. But she was willing to co-parent with this man, but absolutely nothing about any interaction the two of them had ever had was ever giving love. Quinn was like, hey, I'm going to give Puck a shot. Maybe decide if I want to commit to him. Maybe decide if he's someone who I would trust enough to date. And time after time, he has shown that he is not trustworthy enough to date. Yeah. And at the end of the scene, she kisses him. And <laughs> and he, like, stops them and is like, no, I don't want to have sex because I've, like, grown and matured as a person. And then he goes and takes his test and is, like, awesome at taking tests now because he, like, got the confidence boost from kissing. Actually, that's kind of a step ahead. There is first a scene with um Sue and Quinn where Quinn brings back her Cheerios outfit to Sue that's, like, been dry cleaned, obviously. And Sue's like, oh, no, I don't need that. I'm retiring that uniform, which she doesn't. It's the same uniform we see next semester, next season. And since Sue now, like, has control of the Cheerios, Roz Washington approaches her and is like, hey, you've got your Cheerios. I've got my uh, synchronized swimming team that the school apparently has. What if you and I team up to take down Principal Figgins? Girl boss. It's truly girl boss, and I will say it is something that makes me want to watch the next season. Yeah, of all of the threads that they have laid down for season four to go, you know, squiggling mm -hmm. off on, this is the one that I'm most interested in. And this is would be a great plot, I think, to, uh, to as I've said, they should have done two spinoffs, one with Rachel in New York and one with a new generation at McKinley, and I think that would have been sick. Oh, yeah, Quinn comes in, she... Uh, she brings her uniform in, but Sue is like, no, I won't need that one anymore. Um, and she starts monologuing about how, you know, Quinn always remind, reminded her of a young Sue Sylvester. The, the, this, I, I love this monologue, actually, because I do think that the Sue-Quinn relationship is fascinating. But she says, when I first laid eyes on you, I thought of you as a young Sue Sylvester. But looking at the amazing woman in front of me right now, I realize I was wrong. You're nothing like me. You're better tears in my eyes streaming down my face i just i want good things for quinn fabray yeah she says i admire you quinn fabray which is like ugh. i will say i know quinn has not gotten all the therapy that she needs but that that was a little touch of therapy right there to hear sue sylvester say i admire you i think that would heal me personally yeah and they actually have like a really beautiful like party moment where they say they're gonna miss each other and Quinn's like, I don't know how that's possible, but, like, thanks. And she was also just like, you're going to go far and I'm going to have the best time watching you do it. And I'm going to get to say I remember her from back when. And just like, oh, I want to cry. Yeah, this is, like, the goodbye scene that, like, gets me every single time. And then we go to Puck 
gra- uh, finishing his test. He gets a C minus, so he's like able to pass finally. And then we immediately hop into graduation. So I just need the listeners to know if you haven't watched this episode in a bit, they make it seem like he takes his test a mere like 20 minutes before graduation. Yeah, I feel like a bit more has to get finalized. RE, can you graduate? Besides just like, look, I got a C plus on this test. No, not even a C plus, it's a C minus. Yeah, he barely passes the teacher was probably being very kind to him personally i i feel like the scenes almost come out of order because he goes from like kissing quinn and being like awesome and to rock that test and then there's this whole long quinn and sue scene and then he passes the test when like couldn't he have just passed the test right after he kissed her no that would have been too easy too easy would have made too much sense for glee Um, We do go into graduation, which is this great, like, high school musical-esque. They're all in red graduation uh, robes. It almost looks scarily like the high school musical three graduation. Now this has me wondering, when did high school musical three senior year come out? It was um, 2008. It was 2008. Oh my god, high school musical three came out before Glee even started airing they also they as they're graduating they sing glory days by bruce springsteen it's a like puck and finn duet it's pretty good um i would say the song is not really the focal point of this scene because instead they're like calling everyone's names and everyone gets like a little moment to you know shout out their parents and then like hug mrs pillsbury um it's actually really adorable i'm not gonna knock it I think it must have been very fun to be one of these like 26 year old actors on set this day, though, where they're all like acting like high schoolers graduating. This is also a huge like spot the pro tag scene where all of the Glee Club members are the ones that are getting their names announced and they have like the front row of the graduation line. And then everyone else is just like faceless nobodies behind them. It is a little funny. It is a little camp. I will say I like the glory days. Like is a weird word. I think that this is a good thematic choice. Not that they could have known it at the time. It's when we do the Goodbye to Finn episode and Puck sings No Surrender by Bruce Springsteen. Oh, I forgot about that. I am always thinking about choosing No Surrender as the Finn Puck song. I'm always thinking about No Surrender. If I may, if it lightens the mood a little bit, there is a little um, cutaway in the audience where Sue uh, gives Will like a side hug and like lifts him up, which I I do think is funny. Um, And it's lovely. There is a great Quinn and Mercedes moment, too, where they hug on stage. And it's like the first time we've seen their friendship since season one. I that is the biggest crime of story-wise like obviously there are worse crimes re like making puck sleep with a teacher everything they do to unique but like re character choices like i hate the clean breakup but like i get where it comes from why did we never get more quinn and mercedes she lived in mercedes's house it's so weird it's so weird i have nothing more to say on it because it's just baffling that we get no material on that Back to the whole getting into, you know, college plot line. Um, It does happen that apparently Finn, Rachel, and Kurt all got their letters like the same day or maybe got them a little earlier, but like waited until the day of graduation so that they could 
open their letters in the Glee Club room, which I actually do think is pretty sweet. Like, it's cheesy, but I get it. That's absolutely the type of shit you would pull. Yes, go on. Yeah. Um, And Finn opens his first, his acting school audition, and he finds out that he did not get in. But in order to not bring the mood down, he, you know, lets Kurt open his. Kurt opens his letter and finds out that he does not get in. Tragedy of the motherfucking century. Crime. A crime against humanity that Kurt did not get in. I think what would have been a hilarious, if I were writing Glee, first Mm -hmm. of all, it would have been a better show. Second of all, I would have had Kurt and Rachel have accidentally swapped their letters. So they open it and and Rachel thinks that she got in, but she didn't get in. And Kurt thinks that he didn't get in, but he did get in. I think that would have been way more interesting because then Rachel Berry has to deal with the feeling of failure. Yeah, honestly, that would have changed her whole fucking shtick. But because she is, you know, our main character who we love so much, I guess, and she just, you know, gets everything handed to her on a silver platter, she opens her letter and she did get in through somehow a magic combination of like being a bitch to Carmen Thibodeau and singing a good song at nationals. She gets in. And the reaction image of Corey Monteith and Kurt Hummel, like... I love how you gave one of them their actor name and one of them just... The reaction character. image of, of Corey and Chris and Kurt and Finn, I mean. Beautiful. A beautifully done scene. They also uh, begin to take apart their lockers a little bit. Rachel has a bit of a monologue where she says that she deferred her admission to Niata. So she will be going the following semester, I guess the spring semester, like in January, instead of immediately going, so that Kurt gets a chance to audition again, of course, and Finn can maybe spend some time figuring out what he wants to do. And as Santana is cleaning out her locker, her mom approaches her, again, Gloria Estefan, absolutely wild to see, her mom approaches her in the hallway and is like, hey, um, you know, don't you want to keep any of these nice things that like people gave you over the years in high school? And Santana's very coldly like, no, I don't care about this anymore. I want to let it all go. And her mom hands her an envelope that I assume is like full of cash or maybe a very large check written. And her mom says that for the past 18 years, she has been saving tons and tons of money. Any like tax break she got, any change that she's got so that Santana could go to any college that she wanted and her mom would be able to pay for it, which is beautiful. But Santana turns it down and she says, you know, spend it on a trip with dad. Just, um, you know, I don't want to go to college if it's not with Brittany. But her mom says, then use it to go to New York. I trust you. Which, after a whole season of bad things happening to Santana just for being gay, um, I love this for her. I love her just having, like, what, $100,000 to live on in New York? I, it's also just a very sweet moment between the two of them. And I really like it. I like what yeah. they've done. I think it's a, yeah, I just, I like this scene. Yeah. 
I just, it's beautiful. And it's unexpected too. I think it's nice because they were like, we paid the money for Gloria Estefan. We're going to fucking use her. And she does a great job as just like a relatively bit part on the episode. Um, I love seeing good things happen to Santana Lopez. And then we get into the final Ultimo of the episode, which is what I was previously referencing as one of the things that made me very upset when I first watched this when I was like mm, 12 years old, where Rachel gets into the car with Finn. He's dressed in his nice suit. She is assumably in a white dress, but she's wearing a coat over it. And she thinks they're going to head down to the courthouse to like sign the marriage papers and get legally married. And as he starts driving, he is kind of weirdly quiet and then starts driving kind of the wrong direction. And she's like, where are we going? Like, we're going to be late to, you know, our appointment with the justice of the peace. And he drives her to the train station. And she's like, why are we here? And he reveals to her that her dads are not going to meet them at the courthouse like she thought. They are instead already in New York getting ready to check out dorms with her because she is not going to defer. He has made the choice for her to not defer for another semester. And they are not getting married because he, because the thought of her being stuck here because of him makes, he says, it makes me sick, which God, like break my heart in a million pieces. Why don't you? And Rachel starts panicking like oh my god you're breaking up with me and he is and it's devastating it's a devastating end to and the fact the fact that she goes so you don't want to marry me and he says I want to marry you so badly I can't go through with it god and she's like please come with me like we can get married in New York and we'll have no money but we'll be together or and he's like no I I can't go to New York with you which I ask, why fucking not? She's like, oh, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll go wherever you're going. I don't care. And he goes, Fort Benning, Georgia. And she's like, wait, what? And then he goes into this whole thing because apparently he has enlisted in the army for his chance to try to redeem his father, which is so absurd. Fuck up. And even, and honestly, I relate to Rachel here watching this scene because she goes like, I can't believe this is happening right now. Neither can I, bestie. Neither can I. Yeah, like, this is so insane. And, like, I can feel the devastation coming through. I know we kind of make fun of, like, Leah Michelle's cry face, but I'm like, this is a but scene like, you're allowed point, to. It's, it's warranted. Yeah, you're allowed to ugly cry at this. This is an insane thing to happen to you. For your boyfriend to be like, never mind, you're going to New York, you're going to achieve your dreams. I need to travel, not even just a long distance relationship from Ohio to New York, from Georgia to New York. And by the way, it's because I'm joining the army. Yeah, which is like like not something, I don't think he's mentioned joining the army to her at all. I don't think he has ever mentioned it to her. He's mentioned it to other people, but he has not mentioned it to her. Yeah, I would think that he's probably discussed a little bit of the dad stuff with her, but has not mentioned the fact that he's been thinking about enlisting. So, like, this is so coming from nowhere for Rachel. It's devastating for her, and they're both crying, and they're both really good actors with great chemistry. So, like, it's really stabbing you in the heart. And they just decide, like, if it's meant to be together, we will find each other, whether it's in New York or on the other side of the world. And that's oh, so beautiful. 
And then we go into the final cover of the episode, which is Roots Before Branches by Room for Two, which is also one of the most, it's it's a great Rachel Berry song, one of the most underrated ballads on the show. I know it got lots of attention from like being on the graduation album, but I still feel it is not paid its due in the Glee fandom. Genuinely, I think this is one of the best Rachel Berry songs, full stop. It's also just great to watch. I mean, the the scene with scene with her and Finn is obviously so heartbreaking. And them like holding hands as they walk into the train station and seeing all of their friends gathered there, because of course all their friends were gonna either like watch their wedding or maybe go to a reception afterwards. So instead, that's not happening today. They're all there to like see her off to New York. It's a really, like, I know we hate Rachel Berry and we're so annoyed that she's the main character of the show, but it is a really good thematic ending to, like, everything we've seen from the pilot. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like, it is a great ending to the character. If this was just the end of the show, like, this would be perfect. It Truly. And I almost feel like it would have been better because then it would have been like, oh my god, did she make it? Did they get back together? Did they find, does love find a way? But then, you know, seasons four, five, and six happened, so... Yeah. I will, I have to point out one thing. Blaine is wearing a blue gingham shirt, a button-down, you know, and a white and gray cardigan with lobster print on it. <laughs> Slay. And I just I just felt the need to point that out, maybe to, like, walk, break walk up the fashion, emotion. baby. Just to break up the emotion of the scene. And in case you were wondering, his pink pants do match the lobster pattern on the cardigan. In case you were wondering. As if Blaine Anderson would give us anything less. Yeah. Oh my god. And they also, like, Finn and Rachel kiss right before they get on the train. And he does that thing where the train kind of starts to slowly move. And he's running along beside it. running with the train! He's running alongside the the fucking train, and I can't let it go. I can't. crying, throwing up. Screaming, crying. It's so fucking good. And she's, like, sobbing on the train, which, if I was sobbing on the train, I would also want no one to talk to me. So fair. And she gets to New York, and it's this classic, like, walking out of the train station and, like, doing a little spin around where she looks at Times Square and, like, all the beautiful roads. And she, it's just, like, little old Rachel Berry in her like knee-high socks and her she's got one little pink luggage thing that's like maybe the size of her torso if that it's so good it's so good it's a great ending and Roots Before Branches is a great fucking song this scene is also like the last 10 minutes of the episode it's incredible Roots Before Branches is the best best cover this episode yeah. It's undeniable. I feel like there's not even, like, why are we asking that question when the answer is so obvious? Yeah. Um, I do think You Get What You Give is quite good as well. Like I said before, if you haven't listened to it in a minute, I would recommend revisiting. But yeah, it's just the thematic elements all coming together, the performance, the song itself. Like, it's just solid. If I had to pick worst song, it would probably be Glory Days, just because I don't have much attachment to it. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's very... Eh. And so with that, that is not only the end of this Glee season, but it is also the end of the season of our podcast, season three. Thank you, How everyone. have been doing this for three years? Yeah, isn't that wild? Thank you, everyone, who has been listening to us 
for three years. That's so wild if you've been hanging on or if even you've just joined us along the way. That's also super cool. And we appreciate you and we think you're awesome. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back in the new year um, as I am now done with school. Hopefully we'll uh, get episodes out on time more often. <laughs> Wild thought that. Don't Did we want to do a here's what you didn't miss on Glee with what our graduation songs were? Oh, I didn't realize you had a graduation song, but yeah, sure. Well, I didn't have like an official graduation song. I had the song that I made about my graduation. In case anyone isn't familiar, we do have a segment called And Here's What You Didn't Miss on Glee, where we shuffle our, our, our music libraries until we find one that we both recognize, and then we tell you how Glee would have done it. We have pre-picked the songs this time, given our premise. Yeah. So my graduation song was Come So Far, Got So Far to Go from Hairspray. Do you know that song? Vaguely. I chose it because I so I was gonna go with Roots Before Branches for my graduation song, but I chose Come So Far, Got So Far to Go because my brother's was Ain't Got Far to Go by Jess Glynn. And so I thought it was kind of cute for us to have similar titles. It is a quartet piece, which is nice. I think um a a little group could have done it. Probably just a nice group song. I think I would have probably put it with the underclassmen so that like Mike and Sam um could have gotten some solos maybe a rory in there i think that that's a good choice i would love to see mike play link larkin in hairspray agree i know that wouldn't work because he's asian and the whole show is about racism but like i do think he could pull it off he also played didn't he play biff not biff <laughs> riff he played biff in back to the future he played a white guy before. You probably were able to tell, given the everything about me, but the song that I made about my college graduation was Graceland 2 by Phoebe Bridgers. Wow, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I know. I know. Um, this is completely surprising in information to someone who's known me uh, perhaps the longest of anyone else of my current friend group. Is I it too on the nose to say Kurt Hummel? <laughs> I was going to say I want to give it to Quinn. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can feel that. I feel like Kurt's falsetto really lends itself to a lot of Phoebe Bridger songs and by extension, a lot of Lucy Dacus songs. I agree. But I do think that, so if there had been like a song this episode in that Quinn monologue where she's, you know, reflecting on how far she's come, I do think that could be, that could be interesting. I think that the, the like journey element of the song is much more Quinn. But I definitely think the nose she lived through it to get to this moment is so Kurt Hummel coded. Yeah. Um, given what we know from the 2009 episode. I mean, Qu Quinn and Kurt duet. Why not? Quinn and Mercedes duet. God. Yes. Yeah. The To get to this moment with Mercedes becoming like, you know, a star off in L.A. Like, and I would be interested in seeing Amber Riley doing a song that's like kind of slower and softer like that. Thank you everyone so much for joining us for our last episode of the season. We will be back next year and we super appreciate you spending the year with us. Happy holidays to everyone. Please enjoy the rest of the month of December. Maybe we'll start later in the year next year so that we'll actually do the Christmas episode around fucking Christmas. No. <laughs> That is our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at SingsationsPod. That is S-I-N-J-S-A-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-D. Please rate us. 
uh, as a podcast, not as people. If you, the listener, have ideas for more like in-universe things we can talk about for Glee, I'd love to hear them because if there's one thing about me, it's that I love to talk. So maybe next year we start doing that again. Thanks, everyone. Okay, bye. Bye.